You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Church family, thanks for tuning in to the Carterville Church Life Podcast while you are scattered for your week on mission. If you're listening to this podcast uh, the day that it aired, it's Thursday, so happy Thursday. Uh, I covet your prayers tonight as our evangelism teams are scattered throughout the city for our last night of this fall semester of eight weeks of visitation. So be sure to pray for us at 540 when we get ready to go out. That would mean a lot to me. Our guest today is Will Wall, our mission strategist for the Pine Belt Baptist Association and an old friend of mine. Hey, Will. Hey, Ben. I didn't mean that you're old. I meant that we've been friends for a while. I think both are probably accurate. (laughs) Fair enough, man. Midlife. All right. Gang Will is here to talk about um, one of the most important doctrines of the Scripture, but it's also one um, that has just so much mystery around it. So our topic today is the Trinity. Um, Will, thanks for coming to help us talk through the Trinity. Oh, my pleasure. And not an expert on any of this, uh, but it's fun to talk about. Oh, it absolutely is. And I hope it encourages our church. So we're talking about God, and you can't get around the fact that uh, millions of believers for 2,000 years have worshipped uh, the living God, the resurrected Christ, the Holy Spirit that sends us out on mission, and have understood God to be triune, which is extremely, extremely unusual. Um, it's a fantastic doctrine when you slow down to understand it, but an impossible one to understand. So we don't promise that you'll understand it in the next few minutes, but we sure do want to push you a little bit farther and understand why this is important. So let's just sort of begin. Will, most of the folks in our church family began their Christian journey by celebrating their Christian baptism as they should have. They gave their life to Christ. They went to the baptistry and confessed their faith in front of the church. And we spoke the words over them, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's a, it's a Baptist distinctive. It's one of our two ordinances. And uh, when a person takes their faith in Christ, that's how, we, that's how we baptize them. That's how you and I were trained to do baptism. And we were trained to do that because that's exactly what Jesus told us. In Matthew chapter 28, in the Great Commission, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so from the earliest days of Christianity, we have baptized believers in the triune formula of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So let's talk about what it means. All right, so Will, um, there are three statements that essentially define what we believe is Trinity. What are those What are those three statements? So it would be that God is three persons, and we know those three persons to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Right. We also know that each person is fully God, which that's one of the ones that it's very important that we understand that that Jesus is fully God, we know the Father is fully God, and yet the Holy Spirit is fully God. can understand it completely, but we do know that it's true. And we also know that there is only one God. That's a huge distinctive that you have. A lot of people will look at Christianity and say, oh, you worship three different gods. It's a plurality. No, it is It is the fact that there's <laughs> No, it's much more strange than that. <laughs> yeah, it's much more difficult to explain. But, you know, I, which I love it because for me, uh, we worship a God whose very existence, like his nature, is so different than ours that we can barely conceive it. Because every everything that we know exists as one entity, which is one entity. Yeah. Nothing exists in a way that we're aware of that is three in one. And we do have people who try to give analogies. And they're all broken. 
You you just can't. There's not a good one to explain it. Why don't we rehearse a few of those? <laughs> well, here's the here's my favorite one. All right. Uh, it's the egg. Okay. And I hear it all the time that the egg has three parts. Obviously, the shell, the white, and the yolk. And so, just like God, that egg has three parts. And it's it's wrong. Right. So every analogy that we're going to approach to try to explain the Trinity is going to fall short. And and exactly, the egg. Because all three parts are part of just one egg, but neither one are individual or distinct apart from the other. Yeah, if I drop the, if I drop the dozen eggs on the way in from the grocery store, <laughs> I can't pick up the yolks and say, oh, it's still good. <laughs> so another analogy that everybody's heard is the clover, you know, the three-leaf clover. And I appreciate sure. that, but it's still just one. There's, you know, there, there is no sense of, of threeness. For example, at the baptism of Jesus, you, you hear the voice of God the Father booming out from heaven. This is my Son from whom I'm well pleased. You see the Son rising up from the water with John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit is descending like a dove. Uh, the three are distinct. I mean, in that one moment, you see all three yeah. members of the Godhead but, interacting. Which I, I do think now is a perfect time to remind our listeners that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's not there. It doesn't mean that the Trinity doesn't exist. It just means that that word was, we didn't have that word until a few hundred years later. Right. So the, the word's not there, but the concept is, and all the ingredients of the doctrine of the Trinity are there. Um, so what I would say to our church family is, why did the early church in a pursuit of orthodoxy eventually develop the doctrine of the Trinity? And the answer is because as they committed themselves to the scriptures, uh, they discovered that the scriptures faithfully followed require that you believe that there is one God, and yet that one God is three persons, and each of those three persons are fully God. So all of our analogies fall short. You know, even the analogy of water, you know, ice, steam, and water fall short. The modalism analogy of, you know, Will Wall, you are at the same time a husband, a father, and a and mission a strategist, you know. Well, no. yeah. Or, or a, I'm, a, I'm someone's son, right, right, right. I'm someone's father. Yeah. That's right. You're just, just different hats, different No analogy that's made up of created things can possibly demonstrate the Trinity. And the reason I believe that that's true is because God in his essence is different than everything that he created. Now, aren't, the, the, aren't you glad? I am thrilled. And so even in his being, even in his person, he's three in one. And the reason that we cannot fully comprehend it, we can hold on to the truths, we can understand what they mean, we can use them as boundaries to help us worship him and follow him. But the reason that that we can't just say, ah, oh, now I get it, is because our existence is limited to one in one. Everything that we know is limited to one in one. And it makes sense to me to believe that if there is this one good God, this one magnificent creator who is above and beyond, outside and greater than everything he created, well, why would we be surprised that even in his very nature, he is so vastly superior to us that we can barely conceive how he exists in his person, three in one. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and it's it gives hope to me as well, because if you could understand God completely, well, then you would be God. <laughs> well, there you go, I guess. So, Will, uh, when we look at the scriptures, what we find is that the Bible is super clear there's only one God. 
the Bible is super clear that God is God, that the Father, as we think of Him, is God. But it's also very, very clear um, that Jesus is God. And I'll deal with fully this a little, little bit fully God. Very good. That Jesus is fully God. And we'll deal with this a little bit more next week when we're talking about Jesus. Um, Andy Baker is going to be a guest with me next week, and we'll talk about that topic some. He'll do a fantastic job. Oh, I love Andy. He's a great guy. Can't wait. Can't wait for our church to get to meet him in the podcast. Um, but also, the Spirit is fully God. Uh, and, you know, it's not as if God is just the Spirit sometimes, or God just sends the Spirit. Like, the Spirit is fully God. And we'll talk about that later um, in our podcast when we get to that to that point in the Apostles' Creed as a church family. All right, so that being the case, the Bible teaches that there's one God. The Bible also teaches that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit each are God. And so the result is the doctrine of the Trinity. And I just want to talk about why that matters to us as a church. Yeah, I think that's very important because you could teach the doctrine, but until the church realizes the relevance of it, then it, it does no good. Okay, so the first thing I'll say is um, this makes us distinctive. Orthodox Christianity, I mean, all across uh, Christian history, uh, Orthodox Christianity has been Trinitarian. And every couple of hundred years, there'll be a group that um, that breaks off or breaks out and denies the Trinity. And I just want to give the church confidence in that anchor that the doctrine of the Trinity goes back uh, to our early days Very and early days. defines Orthodox Christianity. So that's one thing that I think matters is, hey, listen, don't go be part of a cult. But number two, um, I think it's fantastic for worship, like for you to sit on a church pew or on your back porch and try to imagine our triune God, and then just become overwhelmed with wonder as you realize how vastly beyond our full imagination He really is. So I think it's great for that. It's a sense of awe, just to, just to consider it. Second thing that I love is, how about this, Will? In God's own person, you have the paradigm for unity and diversity at the same time, which, I mean, think of how powerful that is in a marriage. Think of how powerful that is in a church family. Well, I'm thinking of even how powerful it is in American culture. All right. To understand unity amongst diversity, um, how even how God displays that there's to be unity, um, and that we are attempting to love our brothers and love our sisters, even though they may be different than we are. And in the Trinity, you have complete fellowship, total unity. God is one, yep. and at the same time, diversity. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. God exists as three in one. So you have unity in diversity, and I think the most beautiful paradigm for life as a church, life as a nation, or even life in a family, where we strive for unity as a way to mimic um, and model our lives after our Father, who is three in one. Um, so I, I think that an understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity should just wow us. It should lead us to worship. Um, and I also think that it, it should help us to recognize the, the, the power of, of uh, unity and diversity in the church. So Anyway, I hope that that is encouraging to our church. When you open your Bible, and in the very first page, you read, let us make man in, in our own our, image. Yeah, in uh, our image. That's exactly right. Um, I know there are different ways to interpret that verse in, in uh, Genesis 1, but for me as a Trinitarian reader, I see it as a reflection of a, tri a triune God uh, speaking out plurally of himself and then immediately creating sons and daughters, his image bearers, who are his reflection. Um, we certainly aren't triune in our nature, but our striving towards unity is a reflection of a triune God who is perfectly unified in his diversity. I like it. Hey, thanks for being with us today, Will. You're a blessing, man. Thanks, Ben.